going on? Welcome into Sports Betting Daily. How are you? How the hell are you on a Thursday? What's going on out there, my peeps, my sports bed peeps. How are we doing this week? What is happening in your world? Thanks for joining us on today's show. On today's podcast, we're going to uh, actually, I'm going to play back a little bit, a little portion of College Football Tailgate. It's another show that I'm on. Breaks down some uh, college football games coming up this week. A little plug, a little chance to advertise that show and let everyone else know there's a, a really good college football show out there. So we will end the show by playing back some picks and uh, predictions for college football this weekend from the show College Football Tailgate. But I want to start off by talking about something that came up recently in the Twitter world, the Twitter sphere, the Twitterverse, whatever you want to call it. Uh, someone who I follow, someone pretty prominent on Twitter who's from Las Vegas and claims to be a professional sports better has recently come out saying a whole bunch of nonsense about you bet teams, not numbers. Now, this is a reaction to, to a lot of people out there clinging to the idea of and, and repeating the idea of you bet numbers, not teams. Now, that's something I've said. That's something other pros have said. But what I think happens sometimes is people who aren't very good at sports betting get a hold of these you know, little phrases and things and then misuse them. And so other people like our friend George here from Twitter, that's all I'm going to give about him, George, uh, and I, I, his name's like George Panagakis, I think. So that's not all I'm going to give. <laughs> and so I'm sure a lot of you know who this guy is, right? He's all over Twitter. And if you don't know, um, he, he's constantly posting tweets about certain stuff in the, the betting world and about why people are wrong on Twitter. Anyway, I don't really have a lot to say about him. I don't know the guy, but I do know what he's been saying about betting numbers compared to betting teams. And I'm just here to set the record straight about what people mean when they say we bet numbers, not teams, and why that's so important. So the idea of betting numbers, not teams, is this. Everything comes down to a projection. And if the market is accurate with their projections in terms of they agree with us, then it's usually a no bet. Okay, You don't bet those games. If the market shows certain value for either team, either team A or team B in any given game, we bet on the team because the market's wrong. Okay. And so the idea of bet numbers, not teams, what that means is we don't want to just cling to the best team, right? The Broncos this weekend are 10 point favorites against the Houston uh, Texans. Okay. Most people out there who know the NFL will automatically go with the Broncos. Why? Because the Broncos are good. The Texans suck. Okay. But sports betting proficiently and profitably is so much more detailed than that. So what the idea of is bet numbers, not teams is, is avoid just betting on the Broncos in that spot and do some homework looking at what the line should be and what the line is. Okay. And I agree with the idea of betting numbers, not teams, because that's how it makes sense. That's how good traders operate. Now I will say this. Maybe George doesn't have a great system that he believes in because everything is about that one final number. Now, I went to MIT. I'm a computer programmer. I'm a data scientist. I love my numbers. I, I, I trust my numbers. I put a lot of faith into my numbers. Maybe other people don't have that same luxury, so they fall into the trap of saying, oh, no, 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 you're going to bet teams. Teams are the way to go because if you get the better team, it's usually not going to matter except for that few percentage of the time where the spread actually comes into play, right? But that's not how winning sports bettors look at things because winning sports bettors know that we are operating on the thinnest of margins. You don't win your yearly salary in, in a week, okay? It's about the marathon, not the sprint. So having said that, every bet we make, we want to have a theoretical edge in our direction. And here's what that edge looks like. It's actually very simple. If we think in a hypothetical game, Green Bay should be minus three, then our approach is very easy. If the sports betting market has Green Bay minus three, we don't bet them. We just pass. If Green Bay is minus four, we take their opponent. 
if Green Bay is minus two, we take Green Bay. You see here? Now, this may be oversimplified because there's things that go into handicaps and maybe one point of value isn't necessarily enough for that any given game or that given game. But my point here is, in general, very, very simple, this is how it works. So if I think Green Bay is an amazing team and look Aaron Rodgers and the coaching staff and all that, and the team they're playing against is dog shit, it's like, okay, but it's not about the teams. It's about what are they charging in the market. Now, in that example, if we think Green Bay should be minus seven and they're minus eight, that's not a good bet because 50% of the time, what we're saying is they're going to win by at least seven and 50% of the time they're going to lose or win by at least six. Okay. So that's a losing bet. It doesn't matter if, quote, we have the better team and most of the time the spread's not going to matter. That's a bad way to approach things. That's a losing approach over the long term. Now, again, I think that's the approach bet teams, not numbers of someone who doesn't have a good approach themselves, someone who doesn't trust their own numbers, someone who bets on a whim or bets with their gut. Because if you really think that that betting the better team is the best option, then you wouldn't think this, the point spread is that important. And for people who dis, you know, disregard the point spread or kind of not give it a lot of credit, I laugh at those people because those are the ones who lose money at an incredible rate. So this whole thing of bet numbers, not teams, it's really easy. It all comes down to your projections is the market right? Is the market wrong? I have no I have no bias, right? I don't like to bet on good teams or against bad teams. If anything, I kind of like the opposite because you're going to get a little value belt built in the market the other way. But in general, that's what that all comes down to. When people say bet numbers, not teams, what that means is if we think, if we think Green Bay should be minus three and Green Bay is minus four, we take their opponent. If we, agree, if we think Green Bay is minus three and the market has a minus two, we take Green Bay. It's like that simple. And if Green Bay is minus three, we, we pass because the market agrees with our numbers. So for anyone out there saying, eh, I, th- I think his quote was, it's only going to matter 15% of the time. It's like, uh, hey, buddy, that 15% is kind of important there, right? So I don't like to spend too much time yelling at random people on Twitter who are morons and don't know what they're talking about. But this went around and circulated enough. I thought it may be worth it to at least bring up the idea of betting numbers, not teams, actually the way to go. So... All right, uh, before we play back a portion of College Football Tailgate, get some handicaps for this weekend, I want to thank Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is so much fun for daily fantasy-style contests. And uh, what you want to do is go to Thrive and sign up, put in promo code SBD. They're going to match your deposit up to 100 bucks. But once you're in, you're going to have access to all kinds of fun contests for this weekend. And if you've ever played a DFS-style contest like on DraftKings or FanDuel, what you'll notice is it's polluted. It is crowded with tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of people, it's impossible to win those things. Thrive Fantasy has legitimate contests that have you know a couple hundred people. So you can win, get a huge payout. It's so much fun and it's all player props. So you build your whole lineup with player props, overs and unders. It's awesome. It's so much fun. Make more money betting player props today with Thrive Fantasy. That's Thrive Fantasy promo code SBD for that uh, sign up deposit bonus. All right, let's get to it. Uh, College Football Tailgate is another podcast that I'm on. And we actually are usually right here in studio. Uh, We had to record remotely this week because of some COVID issues. But uh, so the audio is not fantastic. Uh, But we go through some handicaps, go through some best bets. And my partner, Will, who you'll hear uh, handicapping with me, um, and then the other, the third voice is our producer, producer Ryan. Uh, it's it's good. It's uh, I, I recommend it for anyone who doesn't uh, already listen to it, or maybe you listen to other college football gambling shows. Uh, I'm on it. 
I, I we have a lot of fun, and it's not just college football. We do some pop culture. We do some like movie reviews. There's trivia, a whole bunch of fun stuff, right? But uh, so I highly recommend it. It's called College Football Tailgate. Everywhere where you listen to this podcast. So let's go ahead and play a little bit back right now, and uh, we'll come back and say bye at the end of the show. All right, we start off Friday night. We got Florida State at Louisville. The Seminoles, a two and a half point road favorite going into Louisville. Um, do I trust Louisville now? I mean, yeah, they got me the win last time. I mentioned it when we talked on, on the last podcast that I was almost hoping they wouldn't cover so I could cross them off my list forever because Louisville <laughs> burned me so many times. Will's list but, is called the you're dead to me list. And he doesn't. Yeah. The, yeah. You're dead to me. And it usually only lasts for a season. So <laughs> like if, if, if it had happened, then they're off my list for the year. And then next year I get right back on them. Okay. Um, and there have been cases where people that are on the do not, you know, the dead to me list and I still play them because I mean, what's the point, right? But, uh, do I trust Louisville here? They got a big win at UCF last week. You know, is Florida State, Florida State is like all of a sudden back just from beating LSU, and we don't even know how good this LSU team is. Um, I'm curious to see what your breakdown is here, Tyler, because Florida State being two and a half point road favorites here to me is is concerning if, if, I, if I'm trying to pick the Seminoles. Yeah, it's a lot of points, but I actually lean Florida State here. Now, in terms of pure power ratings, this is more of a X's and O's play because I do have Florida State minus 1.75 in this spot, which I guess would be represented as like one and a half minus 120 or uh, minus two at about even money. But it's it's just a very good uh, X's and O's position for, for FSU. Now, first of all, Mike Norvell coming into his third season is entering that prototypical third year projection that we expect from these kind of offensive coaches. I mean, it's like clockwork. When these guys get in who are offensive minded, take a, take a couple of years to win the, 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 the boosters over and, 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 and everyone behind the scenes all while building up the program and getting your players in place. You know, mm-hmm. it seems consistent that these offensive coaches take one, two, and then year three, they hit the ground running. We're seeing that with Mike Norvell this year. Uh, they're coming off a bye week also. And I think there's a lot of good, good feeling around FSU for the first time in what, six seasons? So great feelings. They're 2-0, and just beat LSU, and they actually have the talent to keep this going. Uh, also, if you look back at the uh, uh, their first couple games, FSU had, uh, or their first game, they had a couple red zone opportunities. They blew. And I think that was a huge point of emphasis. Now, they ended up getting the win at LSU, but if they would have converted in the red zone and actually capitalized when they moved the football, that may not have been a game at all at the end of the fourth quarter. So that off week, I think FSU really dug deep and worked on a lot of their red zone plays, red zone schemes. And Louisville, they're coming off two very, very tough games, Syracuse and UCF, maybe two two games they didn't think would be as tough, which is even even harder. So again, Florida State, I have about four and a half points better. I've got home field right around 2.75 in this game for Louisville. So I only have Florida State minus 1.75, but I love the spot. And uh, I've got a very, very strong lean towards Florida State. May make it a like if you're on Louisville here. We'll see. Yeah, I love that breakdown. And, and you're right, the bye week is huge for Florida State. Um, uh, that, that's really big. I actually really like how Jordan Travis played against you know LSU. He, I think he's showing a lot of positive signs. The only thing that I would take, especially from that Florida State LSU game that we saw week one, is that we saw Jaden Daniels for LSU get a ton of rushing yards against Florida State, whether it was scrambling or from design run plays. And you look at a guy like Malik Cunningham, who is like even deadlier with his legs. I think it's possible that you could see, you know, uh, um, him have a big day, especially on the ground. Uh, That being said, I mean, again, I don't want to overreact to last week too much because I feel like my dumb brain is telling me to ride with Louisville, but my heart is telling me to go <laughs> with, with Florida State minus two and a half. So we're both on the same same side here, taking the Knolls to cover 
the two and a half points. Okay. Both on Florida Perfect. State. There we go. Smitty, Smitty, your pick. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with the Knowles. Okay. All three of us. Wow. Incredible. I love it. Um, that, that, that should be concerning or, or amazing. (laughs) It's one of the two. It's nowhere in between. Um, the next game, Georgia at South Carolina, the Bulldogs, 24 point road favorite over South Carolina. I don't have Uh, a ton on this game. Will I just don't, Uh, this is such a run the other direction. This could be the variance on this game is crazy. And I always kind of, you know, variance is, is actually something that you can look specifically at. And I think that this one, I mean, we're talking maybe the highest on the, on the board this weekend, Florida or uh, Georgia could win by 40 South Carolina. They're all over the place. I have no idea who this team is. No idea who Spencer Rattler is. So I, I, I don't have much on this game. It's a huge pass for me. But, uh, I mean, it seems around right if I had to make a number. Yeah, and it's crept up. I think it opened closer to like 22, and now we're up yeah. to 24. And so it is concerning to me, obviously, that for sure the public is going to be all over Georgia here. And rightfully so. They're now the, the number one team. We saw them just destroy uh, Auburn in their first game. I think they played like Samford or someone terrible last week and, and you know, did fine, but nothing, you know, crazy. But again, that's fine. That, that's a week that they can take off. And to me, it's more about South Carolina. You know, I had concerns when they played Arkansas about Rattler being able to, to be smart with the ball and, and push the ball downfield without turning the ball over. And against Arkansas, that's a problem. Against Georgia, that's a huge problem. And you look at actually the last two times that these, the last two years these teams have played, Georgia has dominated both by more than 24 points. Um, one, you know, in Georgia and one at South Carolina. And so um, I, I, to me, I need to see the Spencer Rattler that we saw early on in Oklahoma once before I can even bet on him, you know, being responsible with the ball here. And so I think Georgia has a chance to, uh, to really blow them out in their first SEC game of the year. So I'm riding with the Bulldogs oh. mi- minus 24. Well, I know it's a big number, lay in the but I'm doing it. Laying right. the 24. All Always right. a good sign when you're laying 24. Am I right? <laughs> um, <laughs> Smitty, your pick. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go dogs. I can't, uh, I can't take that line with the South Carolina. So I'm going Georgia. Okay, sweet. Smitty's on, uh, Georgia as well. Let me just jot that down. Cause we are tracking these picks next up. F- uh, Spencer Rattler's former team, Oklahoma going at Nebraska. This is now the first game, uh, in Mickey Joseph's, uh, career as the interim head coach. We talked about him earlier. Fantastic name, Mickey Joseph. Definitely not made up at all. Um, <laughs> Oklahoma, a 10.5-point road favorite here. This number has come all the way down from 14, Tyler. And to me, that's terrifying because I have to imagine the public is going to be all over Oklahoma here with how bad Nebraska's been. And if you're telling me that all that money is, is coming in on Nebraska enough to bring that number down, that means the Sharps are all over the Huskers, right? This is a prototypical Sharps versus Squares game. This is everyone in the country seeing uh, Nebraska look so bad, seeing Oklahoma look really good under Brett Venables, and it's an automatic play. Oklahoma, 11 points? If, if they win 21-10, we get our money back? If they win 31-20, we get our money back? That doesn't seem right. This is a clear play here, in my opinion, for Nebraska. At least it was at plus 16. It is way... It's gone now. But this is a pass for me because... Uh, because we don't really know what Nebraska is going to be. Now, here's the thing. We know nothing about what we're going to see on the field from Nebraska, but we do know one thing about Nebraska. They've stayed in every single game they've played going back to mid-2020, okay? We're talking week four of 2020 until Nebraska got blown out of a football game. This is a good team with talent that I think Scott Frost leaving is actually a disembodied subtraction. So this offense is going to be 
who knows what. The defense, I think, that has talent is going to be motivated. We don't know what we're going to see. This could be a very close game, and there's nothing telling me. It's like, why? Why would Oklahoma pull away? I've seen nothing on offense to say that Oklahoma's elite. They've been stressing defense. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Both teams are going to want to hold the football. Nebraska's offense could go crazy this game. As we said, they have talent. There's a reason why they haven't gotten blown out in like 25 football games, okay? They are good. They were dragged down by, I think, Scott Frost to very conservative game plan, didn't know what to do late in the games. I like Nebraska in this spot. I'm not going to bet it because it's 11, and I can't do that if, if I could have got it at 16 a couple days ago. But this is not a, a place where you want to now be betting on Oklahoma like crazy. Nebraska's in a good spot here. Watch out if you're betting on the Sooners. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely nailed it on the head. I mean, this is for sure a big motiv- motivation game for Nebraska and for the players. It's kind of like a wipe the slate clean kind of moment um, to have that line come down so much. You're right. I mean, this is all this is all about sharps versus public. And I, I agree with you. To me, Oklahoma, especially on offense, hasn't been very impressive. And and even though I think that bringing in the transfer quarterback from uh, UCF, Dylan Gabriel, you know, was it was a good move on paper. I mean, ultimately, the guy doesn't have a lot of experience playing like a big 12 schedule and he's been okay, but he hasn't been fantastic. The Oklahoma offense hasn't been incredible. I do think their defense is really good. And to me that like, if you're going to be betting Oklahoma here, um, that's where you're, where all of your faith has to lie is that the Oklahoma defense is good enough to slow down Nebraska and you, you know, Nebraska's offense has been, you know, good. They've been scoring on people, but how many good defense, really good defenses have they played at this point? I don't know. Um, it, it for sure worries me that, that that line has dropped down. If I have to make a pick at this point, you know, if, if you can get it 10 and a half um, as opposed to 11, <clears throat> I'd be going with the Sooners here because I do think their defense is good enough to force Nebraska to maybe make a couple turnovers. Um, and, you, you know, the, the caliber of, of Nebraska's defense. I mean, we talked, I mentioned it and you did Tyler as well, that Oklahoma's offense hasn't been great. Well, this is a fantastic opportunity, you know, against a bad Nebraska defense, which is what it has been. And so I don't love the pick. Um, If I'm forced to bet it right now, I'd take Oklahoma minus 10 and a half, not Nebraska. Um, Because I think that that kind of new coach, you know, injection of energy or whatever can only come so far. And we don't know anything about Mickey Joseph as far as being a head coach. He could be even worse at making big game time decisions than Scott Frost. I don't know if that's possible. We'll find out. But I'm with you. I don't love this this pick either way. But since I'm going to give one out, I'm going to give out Oklahoma minus 10.5. But I think we're overreacting. And and that's fine. But, But I think in terms of the Nebraska defense, we're just overreacting to what we saw last. I mean, they've got a lot of guys back. From, well, at least a lot of Letterman who played last year. I mean, they, they had pretty good efficiency stats last year. I know they've given up points and yards, but I think a change in in philosophy, game plan is going to go a long way for this team. So, Okay, fair enough. Stay away from uh, from Tyler Smitty, your pick. Yeah, this this one I don't I, – I think I'm going to stay away from. Um, I, I do like the the whole situation of you know Scott Frost being fired, Nebraska at home. It's an old rivalry. Um, Brett Venables at Oklahoma. I just there's just too many unknowns for me, and I haven't I haven't seen enough from either team to to go, to go with either. Team. Honestly, if I were to if I had to bet on it, I'd I'd honestly go the under, which I have at uh, 66 right now. So. I, I just think what we see from Nebraska this game is sort of the bowl game approach, where new coach. Yeah, me too, and that's yeah. why I'm scared to bet. New coach, rivalry game. I mean, Lincoln's going to be going crazy this game. And yep. you're going to see the, the the fake punts, the, the the trick plays. I think you see Nebraska put everything out there. 
Interesting. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I'll go with, uh, I'll be brave enough to take the Sooners minus 10 and a half, although I don't feel wonderful about it. Right. I'm just committed. I'm committed to giving out picks because that's just who I am. You, as they um, say in poker, you are now pot committed, which they used to say about <laughs> me in high school for a totally different reason. <laughs> certainly, certainly, only, certainly only you and not us both. Um, yeah, we weren't involved. No. Yeah. I mean, certainly we spent a lot of time together, but not those things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cal going on the road at Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I'm, I'm apparently backloading a lot of my games because I don't have, I don't love this one either, but I've got some good stuff on it. Yeah. I mean, look, this is just an interesting one to me because obviously Notre Dame, 0 and 2, things are off to a really bad start for Marcus Freeman. Where does the motivation come in? And now they lose Tyler Buckner for the season, I believe, the, the starting quarterback. Um, We'll see if that ends up being a negative or not, because I don't think we know a lot about the, the backup that's coming in. I know he's a little more mobile, it sounds like. Um, to me, this is about the Notre Dame offense wasn't very good against either team that they played so far. And I think that Cal's defense is solid enough um, under Justin Wilcox, who is like a defensive minded head coach um, he, for a long time. He was defensive coordinator at Wisconsin before that always did a great job. I think it's solid enough to keep them in this game. I, I'm, I'm not sure that I'm, I mean, I don't know. I, I look at Notre Dame at, from a motivation standpoint as being, just either either way, maybe the players are totally down the fact that they're zero and two and like for sure eliminated from what their season hopes were, which is making a playoff. Maybe they're just as motivated to prove everyone wrong after that that terrible upset to uh, to Marshall at home, and now they get Cal coming in. But eleven points is a lot. Um, I think Cal has you know when you look at the, I think the total for this game is like forty points. Yeah, it's and so gonna if you're going to tell scoring. me. It's low scoring. So 11 points is a big spread for a low scoring game. But I mean, look last week, Cal played UC David, or excuse me, last week, Cal played uh, UNLV, 13 point favorites. They won by six. It, w- it was close in, in the second half that game. So we are not looking at a team in Cal who can move the football very well. They played UC Davis and UNLV, two of the lowest defense efficiency teams so far in football. So I'm not impressed with Cal's offense at all. That's why it's going to be a low scoring game. And actually with Notre Dame here, I kind of lean Notre Dame in this spot. I just can't bet them because I have no idea who Marcus Freeman or this team is. New coach, new quarterback. This could be all over the place. But I think that the average person is going to be looking to bet Cal because guess what? Notre Dame got killed last week, right? This is what we've seen early in the season is if a team gets killed, they're going to get money against them in the, the following week. And I never think yep. it's as bad as we saw. I don't think Notre Dame's that bad. So they were a pretty big downgrade this week in my power ratings, but even so, I don't. I, I would lean towards them, but I'm not going to bet on them because I don't know who they are. Don't know what to expect from them at all. Marcus Freeman could be a really good coach who's had a rough start and he's going to be fine. He could also be a dumpster fire in, in, in the works. Right. So we have no idea. Yeah, and you're definitely right. I mean, the public's going to be, of course, looking to to fade Notre Dame a lot going forward. The The difference here is that, like, Cal is not like a name-brand school exactly. where I think teams, people are going to look at them and be like, oh, yeah, Cal for sure. I feel like people still think of Cal as, like, a bad football program because, frankly, that's what they've been, right? And so I think 11 points is just too much and what I do expect to be a very low-scoring game uh, I mean, at this point, if, if Cal can somehow score seven or 10 points, I think they cover. Uh, and so even though I don't love, you know, going with what for sure the public sentiment is, which is fading Notre Dame, I, I'm actually going to go Cal plus 11 here. All right. You're Eddie? on Cal. Yeah, I, I, I think the same thing. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Cal uh, plus 10. Um, I think Notre Dame is going to rally, uh, you know, behind a new quarterback, um, a young head coach. And I'm one of those guys that I, I just don't see and haven't seen being a Pac-12 football fan uh, anything in the years past. Haven't seen really anything this year so far. I know it's only week three, but um, 
I think Notre Dame will still win, but I think it'll be eight to nine points. Okay, fair enough. I uh, love it. So we're both on uh, Cal there. Tyler's a stay away, lean Notre Dame, it sounds like, right? Yes. Okay, fair enough. We move to Penn State at Auburn. The Nittany Lions, a three-point road favorite this here is, at this Auburn. This is going to be a bet board game. You know why? Because it's Auburn. And I like Auburn this game. <laughs> and Will goes well, against Auburn every single game. So I go against it, Penn State constantly, actually. actually if, you know what? That's true. That is true. Will the, goes against Penn only State Only if Bo Nix is the quarterback, so, does he go against so Auburn. This, so, so this is the Will uh, go against game. So who are you going <laughs> on? This is, exactly. This is the, the, the don't bet either side because you hate them both. Look. You're right. Uh, I did go against Bo Nix a lot, and I don't want to go. I don't want to bet on TJ Finley either. Have you seen what TJ? I mean, Auburn hasn't played anybody this year, and TJ Finley's numbers look like he's played two teams that are really good defenses because they're terrible. He's had, yeah, I think he has one touchdown, two interceptions in two games so far. He, of course, is the transfer from Florida. Who you know, he lost his job to uh, Anthony Richardson last year at Florida. Um, I do think Auburn has a really good defense, and that's the key here. Um, I look at this Penn State team, and yeah, I mean, look, they're a team I don't like to bet on. I don't like to bet on James Franklin. Oh, uh, no t- one is, no one in the world, that? no one in the world is as good <laughs> at giving up, you know, fourth quarter leads than than James Franklin. I swear. I, I mean, there's so many games where he's had late leads and, and they blow it. Um, I, I think it's a really tough spot to go at Auburn here. Um, no, look, I, no, I, no, I'm not. <sighs> That's my dramatic movie. It, my here's my my biggest problem. My biggest is I think that it, at the very least, what Penn State has is they have playmakers, and Sean Clifford is a guy who can make plays at points during the game. I don't love him. I don't think he's great, but he's proven that he can do it in some tough spots before. And even though I like Auburn's defense, I think it's going to be a very low scoring game. This is similar to my Purdue pick, where it's just like I think. Penn State has enough to get it done late, and I'm absolutely not betting on T.J. Finley to do anything to get Auburn to win. So if if Auburn's going to win this game outright, um, they're going to need like two interceptions from from Sean Clifford and you know, maybe three. So, yes, it is going to be a bet board game. I'm taking Penn State minus three, and I hate well, you realize I that. I, you realize that Auburn doesn't have to win outright. They can still lose by one or two or three. And I know, so I know, and, and, and I agree. But all I'm saying is, like, if you think Auburn is going to win this game, which I actually think this is going to be a big, a popular money line, uh, you know, dog pick uh, around the country. I think a lot of people will look to, to pick Auburn on the money line. But to me, it's like I really have no faith in T.J. Finley being a good quarterback yeah. and for Auburn Auburn being able – I think Penn State can just commit to stopping the run and just say, hey, uh, you're going to have to beat us with your arm if you, if you want to win this game. And so I'm going to take Penn State minus three, even though, like I said, I really don't like betting on them. Yeah, I think this is uh, – actually, T.J. Finley is a central part of my handicap here. I think this is overreaction to how uh, – to him. I think most people remember T.J. Finley, don't like betting on him, and then the fact that Auburn hasn't played anyone this year – Here's what I think people get wrong about this. Auburn hasn't played anyone. We're, we're about to talk about a couple other teams like this, like Michigan State, Washington, we're about to talk about. They haven't played anyone this year. Um, uh, uh, Auburn hasn't played anyone this year. But I think a lot of people get this backwards. It's not they haven't played anyone, therefore we don't know how good they are. It's they haven't played anyone, therefore we shouldn't know how good they are if they got beat or if it's a close game. Auburn's come out and blown the doors off. They've, they're outrushing their, opponent, their opponents 495 to 128. I mean, it's not even close. So Auburn's done all they've needed to do. And upon further inspection, because I was hesitant on this game, because the same thing, it's like Penn State had a really tough game 
out the gates on the road, which we all saw them win, right? That's why everyone's betting on yep. Penn State. Let's not lie. That's why everyone's betting on Penn State. They played a good team and won. Auburn's played no one, and it's Auburn. And in that game, Penn State actually didn't surprise me at all with what they ran. Very bland. They got the job done, and actually, they should have won by double digits if you look at expected points. Auburn, by the way, they enter this window of the same window I, I wanted to bet on Kentucky last week, where they have shown nothing. All offseason, they've been prepping for one game and one game only, Penn State, because last year they went on the road at Happy Valley, lost a very, very close game. This year they've had that yep. circled all offseason, and he's even said that. He said, uh, 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 Brian Harson said in the offseason, weeks one, weeks two, we don't know what we're going to see. As a matter of fact, I think... Uh, my guy who I work with, uh, my partner, who we we filter stats together, we get we get you know we we share information. He gave me four running plays that Auburn ran the whole second half their first game, and and it was in different sets, different looks. But the idea is, it's like the off tackle stuff. This is where I'm not as good. Remember, Will, this year I said my goal in 2022 is to improve my X's and O's and my on the field yep. stuff, my approach there. That is this is exactly that because you look at Auburn and you're right. In the past, I would have said. They didn't play anybody. Look who, look what they're doing. But they're not doing anything. If you can run four running plays in one game, that's going to be a nightmare for your opposing coaches in the, in the upcoming weeks. So I think that Penn State is in for a world of hurt here. I think Auburn's going to have so much up their sleeve that Penn State's not ready for. Now, there's a reason why Penn State's minus three on the road. But I'm getting an SEC team, underdog at home non-conference. By the way, I have some stats here. If you take an SEC home, a SEC non-conference home underdog, this was laughable. It's almost 72% against the spread they cover. So wow. you may say Auburn's not a classic SEC team. I don't buy any of that. They're loaded. They've got a lot of good players. As long as this defense can frustrate Penn State, which I think they can, they may win this game. I love Auburn plus three here. And uh, we got at least one bet board game this week. So that's a good thing. Well, technically we have two, right? Because I took, um, or is that the only one we have so far? Yeah, it's the only one. We're both on Florida State. and uh, Okay. Good call. Yeah, we, you All were right. on the, uh, Oklahoma, but I leaned Nebraska. You're on Cali, leaned that's Notre right. Dame. But yeah, that's our first S- game so far. Uh, Smitty, your pick? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm going to go with Auburn as well. Um, oh, that's not come on, Ryan. You're, you're that's that's disappointing. Why? Because I love when you two were <laughs> against me. I love when you two. I, I wanted you to say, well, oh, Penn State's the way listen, to go." L- Penn listen, State's listen. Obvious. I I think the the only reason I say that is because, like you said, Auburn. Dog at home, and until Penn State, like we even will said, until Penn State proves it that they can go in and do those harsh environments and pull it out, then I'm I'm going to go with the with, with with the home team. Tyler, just in the SEC, that, it just means more, Walsh. It just means more. Yeah, shout out shout out the Sun Belt. Um, this is the Sun Belt where it just means even more. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Tyler just wanted you to pick. Uh, Penn State because he thinks that he gets like two bet board wins if, if no, we both bet against him. I just uh, no, and I, I, I think you guys are. Uh, I think you guys obviously are. Are you know? I just like when I'm on the when I'm the only one on a game for, for some sure. reason. Well, like, like there's nothing worse when I when I love a game and I you know go to, just to do a little extra. And we all agree with you. Well, yeah, and it's like CBS Sports loves this pick. I'm like, god damn it, you know. Well, yeah, and and I will say again, it's 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 a lot because I I think. I don't know. I, I I just have a hard time betting a three against a hometown SEC team. Right. And that's that's why these spreads matter. I think it's going to be a very, very Damn. close game. But, you know, Brian so, Harson also, he's not the most likable guy. He's not being embraced sure. by, by the, the higher-ups. Like, 
in a weird spot, this is sort of like a must-win game for him. If he loses this one, this is going to be a long season. So, oh, yeah. so weird motivational spot early in the year for uh, an SEC coach who doesn't usually get this non-conference. But, yeah, fair but, but, but either way, you know that that's why I like it. And and uh, there you go, bet board game. Uh, we move on to BYU at Oregon. BYU coming off the big home win over Baylor. Uh, Tyler and I were both wrong about that one. They get the overtime dub. They're three and a half point underdogs at Oregon. This is like a classic public bet, right, Tyler? I mean, we, we la- the last time we really saw Oregon in a game that everyone was watching, they got stomped on by Georgia. The last game we saw with BYU, they get a win over a really good Baylor team. So why, you know, I, I, I right now I'm just assuming that the betting public is is running to bet BYU plus three and a half here, right? Uh, you would assume so. I think most of the squares are doing that. Now, it's really, really interesting to watch the way the market moved from a week ago today to right now. Because before BYU beat Baylor last week, this spread was Oregon minus one and a half. Okay? So think about that. BYU wins and Oregon goes all the way up to minus three and a half. That's a weird thing to me. That That's a lot of incomplete information. And, and I think BYU looks really good this year. I don't understand the downgrade Very for BYU good. based on a couple injured receivers, which we... What did we say last week? They were like 75% to play anyway. Now, they were ruled out. They may not play this week. But if you think that two receivers missing from BYU deserves a three-point adjustment, I would disagree with that. I have question marks about Oregon. I'm not so sure that BYU isn't a really, really good team that's under the radar right now. So for that reason, I just think that BYU is a little dangerous. Uh, Oregon... Some question marks, and I'm on the side of the public here. Look, just because the public's on a side doesn't necessarily mean it's square. A lot of times they randomly pick, at least seemingly randomly pick, and hey, half the time they're going to pick right. So I'm leaning. I don't have a bet this game. I'm leaning BYU. Uh, It's just really interesting, though. Oregon minus one and a half. BYU beats Baylor, and then the line goes to to Oregon minus three and a half. So uh, interesting there, but yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if it has a lot to do with like the difference in play style that you might see from Oregon versus a team like Baylor, right? Um, that being said, like even if Oregon wants to air it out more, you know, not to just like always be harping on him, but like we, you know, Bo Nix hasn't had a fantastic career, and yeah, he had a rough game against against Georgia, like a lot of quarterbacks would. Um, I, you know, I th- actually think that you look at how he was playing last year at Auburn, and it was promising, and so maybe it's just that that they think that that Oregon here, you know, A, is going to have a lot more talent on the field than BYU. Uh, uh, Despite what everyone wants to say about, you know, Mario Cristobal, including what I've said about his time in Oregon, like we know he recruited well. That that team is is loaded with like four and five star guys. But I mean, I think I'm... I'm just hesitant to to lay that many points against what I agree with you, Tyler. BYU is a really good team. Um, The play style isn't always super... um, like modern, I guess you could say on offense, it's kind of an old school offense as far as, you know, the play calling style. But that being said, like, I mean, they're a good team. They're a good defense. Um, Kalani Sataki just continues to prove people wrong as to the caliber of coach he is. And we still don't know a lot about Dan Lanning, right? We really don't know anything about him. Um, I'm hesitant because again, I think that the public is going to be all over BYU here. And so maybe that's concerning, but I'm, I'm with you here. I'm going to take BYU plus three and a half. There you go. And, and I just want to make it clear, that's a very, very slight lean for me. Just 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 on that side of the fence. So, Smitty, your pick? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going BYU as well. I just think they're the uh, – they've got more um, continuity 
um, as far as, you know, their, their starters, their coach. Um, and yeah, I just, I just don't know really what to expect from Oregon right now. I think Oregon's going to be a good team, um, at the end of the year. I just don't think they have it, uh, completely all, you know, kind of in stride right now. Yeah, for sure. Fair enough. All right. We're all on BYU. We move on to the leaders, current, uh, leaders in big 12 standings, the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, wow. Eight and a half point underdogs rock chalk, at, baby. at Houston rock chalk. Uh, <laughs> they're turning things around. I, I can't believe that. I mean, they were 14 point or 13 and a half point underdogs at West Virginia last week and they get the win out, right? That game was wild. There were swings up and down, but to me, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a, I mean, if you're a Kansas football fan, first of all, wow. I mean, I'm sorry. It's been, it's been a rough go for you, but it's promising to, to see signs like that because I don't think that West Virginia is all that bad of a team. And it's especially interesting to me because you look at that West Virginia offense, which is coached by Graham Harrell and Graham Harrell, of course, was the quarterback under Mike Leach at Texas tech. And there's all these coaches that kind of fall into the same air raid offense that Mike Leach came from. And there was another guy that kind of back in like the eighties that I think started the whole thing off. But Dana Holgerson, who's the head coach of Houston, he's an air raid guy. Again, the guy that that coached with Mike Leach, and that's how, where he got the system. And so, to me, it's really promising that that Kansas just saw this offense a week ago. And, yeah, they gave up a lot of points, but it helps that they have experience because for a lot of teams, you're only going to play an air raid offense once a year. And so, to get some reps last week leading into a matchup here at Houston, I think it's a good sign. That being said, that line has moved a lot. I think it opened like – 11 or 12 points, Tyler. Do you know what the what that line opened? Uh, I can check it right now. What's what's the current line? Eight and a half. Houston favored by eight and a half, and, and it has come down significantly Holy now. I, I, I think you're seeing a lot of money come in on Kansas here, and I think Kansas has the offense. We've seen Houston struggle against teams that can kind of move the ball, you know, with, with a mobile quarterback. Um, UTSA did it to them. And so I don't love that this number has come down because if it was back closer to 10, I think it'd be all over Kansas here. Um, Tyler, yeah, what, what was the opening line? It opened 10. Yeah, Double I mean, digits. so so it's come down a little bit. Um, I, I, I think that I want to ride with the Jayhawks here. Am I crazy? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Um, a couple reasons. Kansas is a lot better, a lot, a lot better than people thought. Uh, big upgrades for Kansas first couple weeks, but... I, I, that's being priced into the into into everything, right? I don't think we're overreacting because Kansas has looked good and Houston's kind of struggled, but that's the other... I think the whole point of this handicap is Houston has played two overtime games, which statistically exaggerates their offense. And I was saying it before the season started, I didn't buy this Houston offense to be the juggernaut that everyone else thought it would be from the get-go. So two overtime finishes, one of them was like triple overtime, has skyrocketed their... Uh, projected total points, you know, they're, they're going to score here here moving out. So mm-hmm. Kansas, good offense themselves. Houston, a little bit overrated offense. Both defenses, I think, playing actually better than expected. I lean under. Now, a lot of money came in on the under early, uh, but I lean under. And at 8, it's not playable. At 10, it was playable for Kansas. It's a pass for me. But if you're leaning Kansas, I certainly see why. I think they can stay in this game. But Houston also, I mean, let's not overreact because two overtime games doesn't mean that they're trash offensively. They're just not as good as people right. think. So a lot going in different directions here. Houston still could have that breakout game, but Will, you're right. X's nose wise, not, not the best matchup ever for Houston, even at home. So uh, a lot going in different directions. I pass in general, slight, slight lean towards Kansas, but at eight, it's not playable. 
Yeah, I mean, I told Kansas last week, I said, I'm going to fade them until they prove it, and they proved it, and now I'm, I'm on the Jayhawk train. So right. I'm, going Kansas, <laughs> I'm going Kansas plus eight, Smitty. What, 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 what's your pick? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to stay away from this one. Um, I, I just don't have enough faith in Kansas and or Houston, like Waldy said, being in a couple overtime games. Like last week when they played uh, Texas Tech, it was 17-17 going into overtime, and I think they ended up winning – like 35 to 33 or something like that. It, it, yep. it was crazy. So I don't know. I don't really want to touch this one, but if, if I were, if I were going to bet, I'd go, te- I'd go Houston at home. Yeah. And the other thing to consider too, is like, that was a huge win for Kansas. So for once we might actually have like a hangover moment for the Kansas football right, team. Yeah, right. I don't know how long it's been since they've I been just don't know what to expect for a win. I just don't know what to expect from the Jayhawks, man. It's like, They've been bad for so long, and all of a sudden, you know, they're they're two and zero, and 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 looking like they're playing pretty good football. But put them at put them at home or put them away uh, against Houston. I don't know. Okay, fair enough. I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna go against all my better judgment and take Kansas here. Uh, <laughs> we move on to the SEC. Mississippi State going at LSU right now. The Bulldogs two point favorites. Um, I love this matchup, Tyler. I'm really interested to hear your opinion because we talked about it earlier like I think you're a little higher on LSU than most people and and I think that you like this Mississippi State team as well and so I'm interested to hear your breakdown and kind of where you're coming out yeah uh, I lean Mississippi State pretty heavily this game um, I, I like LSU a lot you know what I think of Brian Kelly you know what I think of his ability to to get offenses especially ready to play and to elevate his quarterback to a level that I mean what he did to some of those QBs at, at Notre Dame he yep. took Ian Book and and made him look like a Heisman, Heisman contender for half a season. He can do a lot, but it's his third game there. It's Mike Leach's third year at Mississippi State, right. and they are taking his identity and, and just, I mean, they're exemplifying his... And he, you guys watching uh, Breaking Bad? What was that? Sorry, that was my ringtone. Ah, I like that. <laughs> you, you like how quickly I got that, too? I was like, oh, it's Breaking my Bad. My bad. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they, they are in the form of Mike Leach. They're playing Mike Leach football. They've finally grasped it. You remember the first year when he went there and everyone's saying, I don't know if this is going to last six games. Is he going to yep. be able to run this spread? It's like, well, once he starts winning, everyone's going to take a deep breath and go, oh, okay, it just looks different, but we still won. Um, I yep. think they're going to confuse LSU this game. And the thing about this, this, this heavy pass attack is, it's so ingrained now in this offense. They've got all the checkdowns. They've got all the backdoors. They've got every little thing because Mike Leach runs a very complex system to where it's not just one, you know, uh, your primary receiver, then secondary, then third. You know, there's different things. So if the quarterback sees the 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 defense in a certain set, he has one, two, and three on this side. If it, if the defense is shifted, it's one, two, and three on this side. So it's super complex, way too complex, I think, for LSU to prep in one week. It's just LSU is so. Uh, tough to predict because I do believe in them. I think they've got a lot of talent. You know what I think of Brian Kelly. So it's not a huge, loving, we're, we're riding Mississippi State, you know, general uh, uh, four-unit play or anything like that. But I will make be- uh, Mississippi State a bet. It's tough at LSU, right? Uh, but I like Mississippi State yeah. here, minus two and a half. What Death, do you think? Death Valley, right? Or Tiger Stadium. or I know I know Clemson lays claim to Death Valley as well, but I believe that that LSU is is the true Death Valley. Yeah, one of them Tigers... I mean, look, this is the first SEC game for Brian Kelly. Yeah. Um, for, first SEC matchup, this could be an eye-opening ex- experience for him. I do think that that LSU has a lot of talent, and who knows what the situation is like with Kayshawn Butte if he's really in it. Um, 
to me, again, you know, we talked about it when I broke down LSU uh, a couple weeks ago. I was like, their offensive line is super concerning for me. And I think that Mississippi State is talented enough on defense to really limit that that offensive uh, output from, you know, Jaden Daniels and, and others. And so I'm with you. I'm taking Mississippi State minus two. It's a rare thing to pick a, a road favorite, you know, uh, covering at LSU because I think that is just a, a tough place to play. But uh, I'm on the same page here. I'm going with the Bulldogs. Yeah, just to be clear, I'll go ahead and make it a bet for me as well. Uh, Mississippi State minus two and a half. Sweet, Smitty. Yeah, okay. yeah I, I'm, I have the same thing. Um, you know, Mississippi State, I think, has looked good so far this year. Um as with other teams that we've talked about, um, just with in this week's breakdown, I think that uh, I think that Brian Kelly and LSU are still kind of trying to find their footing. Where I think uh, you know Leach is 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 kind of already found that to a certain extent. I think he kind of got a bad rap from his time at at, at Texas Tech, whether it's true or not or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that uh, Mississippi Mississippi State kind of runs away with this one. Yeah, and I wonder when the last time that Brian Kelly uh, faced off against an air raid offense or, or a good air raid sure. offense, I, for, you know, for that matter. So I looked that up, but upon further investigation, he had his hands so little involved in Notre Dame in the defense. Right. I don't know if he's going to sit down with the coaching staff and say, hey, here's what I want to do. I don't know. And again, I don't know, but I'm not so sure how involved he's going to be with that anyway. And what we do also know about the coaches he surrounded himself with, it was not his first choice for coaching staff. Right. So... I think we may have a defensive coordinator approaching this with not a lot of Brian Kelly input. That's another reason why I'm on uh, Mississippi State here. Okay, fair enough. All right, we're all on the dogs then. Uh All right, so that's the podcast. That is the end of it, uh, at least that we're going to play back. If you want to hear the rest of the picks and the rest of the weekend, find College Football Tailgate wherever you listen to this podcast, and you can get all the rest of our picks there. We've got plenty more games for the weekend. That's just a taste of uh, that podcast. So I hope you learned something. Hope it got you down the right path for some handicaps, and hopefully we got some winners in there for you. So thanks so much for listening. Good luck, whatever you have going on tonight or uh, tomorrow. Well, I guess today or tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow for Football Friday right here on Sports Betting Daily.